0: Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. And um, we're continuing our series in Jesus' Shoes. And uh, from the list that Simon offered me, you may be very surprised to hear that I chose the subject of doubt yeah so there will be uh, scriptures coming up on the screen I'll be referring to them and praising them but uh, if you want to look at those more fully later I'll give the exact um, scriptures and verses right there so doubt well after the last five months that Julia and I have experienced uh, this word comes to you very fresh very raw And from a place of some experience. We have been taken into areas of knowing God that I would rather have never visited. But maybe this will help you and it'll help me to consider doubt in the life of Jesus and of his cousin John the Baptist. But firstly, didn't the worship bands do, weren't they just fantastic this morning? The way Sophie led us was just absolutely beautiful I sat in the art studio at school and the art master came out the front in his gown and he said boys today we are going to be painting trees and hills he turned to the canvas and got out pots of blue and white paint and proceeded to cover this canvas with blue and white. Now that gave me a bit of a problem because I didn't think I was colorblind and I thought that trees and hills were green. <clears throat> green. He finished all this blue and white and proudly displayed it to us terrified 11 year olds. And then he got out the green and he started to put in lines and the trees and the hills started to appear, and that's what I need today. I just need to paint you <clears throat> a bit of a background sky as we consider being in Jesus's shoes. We're going to start the next excerpt from Philippians two. We sang the, the last part, the, beyond these verses, earlier. Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling on to. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. When Jesus appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on the cross. The Bible tells us that Jesus is totally God, and he was totally man. It's, it's really very difficult to get our heads around that, but it's crucial a crucial truth for our salvation. And Paul tells the Philippians that although Jesus was completely God, he laid aside that deity. He laid aside the privilege and the power. He put it all on one side to become fully human. He walked this earth totally dependent on the Holy Spirit, and he never cashed in on his deity to make things happen, to protect himself, or to impress others. And this should really encourage us that we too can rely 100% on God's Holy Spirit. Jesus, as a man, he developed his relationship with God. He spent time with his Father. And he walked in God's ways as laid down in the Old Testament. And I truly believe that we will only be effective in this life if we do exactly the same. Invest our time, invest our energy in getting to know Jesus. Spending time with God. Did we touch something in the worship this morning that made you crave the presence of Jesus? It did for me. So here's today's theological challenge, today's question. Did Jesus have doubts? I won't put it to a vote. <laughs> but Jesus was related to John the Baptist, so I've helped it cons- found it helpful to consider what it was like to walk in John the Baptist's shoes as well. Now in the New Testament, which is near the back of your Bible, in Luke chapter one and John chapter one, we find out about John's background. He is a miracle baby. His elderly parents tell an amazing story. His father, uh, Zachariah, encounters an angel during worship. Now when was the last time I encountered an angel or the presence of god during worship it's a challenge to me elizabeth now pregnant is visited by mary who is expecting jesus it turns out to be a glorious wonderful worship and prophetic time and from that we get the magnificat you know the so my soul magnifies the lord and so forth john is born and zachariah after a year of silence ladies husband's silent for a year <coughs> After a year of silence, he bursts into praise. He bursts into prophecy. The whole region hears about it. It's all looking really good. Praise the Lord. However, from the very beginning, Zechariah doubted. He encountered an angel and he doubted. He received the promise that he had longed for and yet he doubted. John was conceived in doubt. John grew up with all of these promises all over him. And then as a typical teenager, he goes off. He goes off to the wilderness. He wears weird clothes. He eats weird food. How did Zachariah and Elizabeth feel about that? They had faithfully carried these prophecies about John after years of disappointment. Even waiting for his birth and now John goes off to a wilderness surely surely they doubted his promises surely they doubted their parenting skills surely they doubted their ability to help John fulfill his calling so the tough question am I are you walking in their shoes today I believe some are you have a great prophecy over your life or you've experienced an amazing touch from God remember people coming back from wildfires two or three years ago absolutely enthused with what God had said but now that dream seems to be far off that dream seems to have gone off into the wilderness understandably doubt has crept in did God call me? Did I do something wrong? On Tuesday the 22nd of February, Julia and my life changed forever this year. Julia fell downstairs, was thrown into a world of excruciating pain, loss of freedom, loss of mobility, loss of dignity, loss of choice. In a nutshell, loss and as i knelt beside her pleading with the ambulance to come quickly through the tears i phoned keely and she got the church praying that meant everything to us today i want to thank each and every one of you from the very bottom of my heart for praying for us both and for caring for us we were so grateful now in the shock of that accident, we tried to pray ourselves and I found it, I found it almost impossible. Only through the tears and the shaking, all I could croak was, God, help. After many hours of suffering in the corridor, seemingly abandoned in an overstretched a and it felt like God had abandoned us too. So, did I doubt that God was with us? So you get your stones out now. <laughs> well, in absolute brutal honesty, yes. But, no. Now, I love the Bible. I was brought up in Christian circles, and I know the scripture. He'll never leave us and forsake us. And I truly believe, God says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. Yet, did I doubt at that specific time? Yeah, but no. Bryn Jones, a prophetic teacher who has had a great impact on my early days walking with Jesus, he said, it's intense pressure that reveals what is really Inside of us. It is intense pressure that really reveals what's inside of us. Now I know it's not just me but I put up barriers, wear masks, worry about my image but over the last few months Jesus has washed away much of that veneer and the walls that we've both put up around us especially to keep away our brothers, Christian brothers and sisters. And I think that God is up to something. (laughs) Nicky Gumbel, in his excellent Bible through the year, which I do recommend you get for free on your phone, he says this in his commentary. He said, the Lord can often use a crisis to transform our lives for the better. Doesn't feel like that at the time, does it? But the Lord can often use a crisis to transform our lives for the better. Since the accident, we've allowed people further into our lives. I've had times of doubting. Yes, I have. But I now feel closer, not only to God, but also to my brothers and sisters here and wider. So, in that hospital, I had doubt. I walked out after 15 horrendous hours and I walked straight into the loving arms of two Christians from Riverside two friends who are here today they gave up their sleep to bring me home was that Jesus with skin on yes (laughs) had I really been abandoned by God I don't think so let's return to John the Baptist Again, I'm just going to pray, see this, but feel free to look at it later. John 1 29 to 34. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, "He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, he it is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. So Zachariah and Elizabeth. They had their doubts, but John was there at exactly the right time. Now, here's something that I've never seen before. In verse 33, John exclaims that it was not until Jesus was baptised that John's eyes were fully opened to see who Jesus was. Now, I find that fascinating, and I've been considering this a lot over the last couple of weeks. And I offer these thoughts about baptism. I believe it's a prophetic insight, and I take the risk of sharing it, but ask you to consider and weigh it. If you are physically baptising someone, it is usual to pray for the candidate immediately afterwards. Yeah, we do that, don't we? Here, I believe, is the challenge. Ask God to truly show you part of that person's destiny. That you can pray into when we baptize people which is a privilege it's good to say father we just pray you bless them fill them with your spirit you know, encourage them in the coming days and you know bless them Lord thank you for them taking the step over that's great but we have a God who can give insights what would it be to take the trouble to pray to seek God that we could really speak the word of God to those folk who are getting baptised. And here's the flip side. Some listening to my voice right now have not been baptised for whatever reason. Today, I believe the Lord lovingly invites you again to ask for baptism. It's a step of obedience, and it can be a gateway to you moving on with Jesus and an opportunity to receive specific anointing and equipping from God. So, back to Jesus. After his baptism, what does Jesus do? Well, he's driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. They liked the wilderness, didn't they? (laughs) And he went there to be tempted by the devil, something which Jake, who has disappeared on baby duty. uh, Jake very excellently covered that last week, so let me commend what Jake said to you last week. But the Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness where he's tempted and then Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit. But here's a thought, how did John feel about all of that? I've just baptised my cousin, I've seen God come down on him like a dove and now he's gone off to the wilderness. Did John have his doubts? Did I really baptise the Messiah? Could my cousin be the chosen one? Did I really see the Holy Spirit come on him? I may be stretching the story, but I believe these were real people in a real tough world. So what happened to John? Well, he spoke the truth to a puppet king and he went from the freedom of a desert to the confines of a prison. Now that is a place where your doubts Confessed her. Did John feel abandoned? Jesus didn't come to visit John in prison, as far as we're told. Ever thought about that? In fact, he had to send people to Jesus to ask if Jesus was the Messiah. Interesting though, many commentators say that John was confident about Jesus' deity. He just sent the people to put their mind at ease. John faced his executioner. Did he doubt? Did I get it all wrong? We're so blessed, friends. We're so blessed we have the Bible. We we know the whole story. And we can see the bigger picture of how God amazingly used John the Baptist. Now, as you can probably tell, I've wrestled with this topic of doubt. Rather speak on the fun stuff. But it's good to wrestle. But as I've wrestled with doubt, I see that doubt and unbelief are not seemingly closely linked. You see, unbelief, I believe, does not shift or does not shift easily, whereas doubt, I'm starting to see, embraces God's promises and kind of hangs on to him in times of trouble. (laughs) You know, I have to say this very carefully, but I don't think God is phased by my doubts. He knows I'm created. He knows we're created. He knows we have doubts and struggles. It's okay if our lines of communication are open with him. That's fine. We read about Gideon in the book of Judges in the Old Testament. And again, he sort of believes God, but he has doubts and lays various fleeces before God. And God, in his wonderful grace, responds through the fleece. See, Gideon, I think, actually believed God, but he didn't trust himself. He saw himself as the least, the lowest, and he challenged God based on the history that he'd heard about God being so wonderful. And even beyond my preparation coming into this morning, I've just got that intense Kind of that increased sense within me that we do believe in God but we don't always trust ourselves i'll come to that in a moment Jesus t- chose 12 disciples including Judas <coughs> so in his humanity could Jesus have doubted his choice as the months rolled by we often see Jesus surrounded by unbelief in the religious authorities the crowd the disciples and even his own family did Jesus ever doubt but what did he do Jesus kept himself focused on his father he kept himself focused on God's Word and being filled with the Spirit he would often slip away to pray just to be with his father. When Jesus heard about the terrible death of John the Baptist, he took his disciples away. Did he doubt then? See, my guess is that by that point, he was becoming deeply aware of his own forthcoming, his own forthcoming death. Resolve and an unwavering love for the world, I suggest, started to override his human doubts. So how did did the disciples cope with Jesus' death? Well, most of the men ran away and the women stayed and wept. Again, they didn't disbelieve, but surely they doubted as he was cruelly crucified before their eyes. There's There's no time to unpack it. But we have the benefit of history to see that Jesus won a cataclysmic victory through his death and his resurrection. And the resurrection of Jesus is what brings me to the very heart of what I believe the Lord wants to say to us. There's other specific words I'd like to share later, but this is the heart. Jesus was raised from the dead. And then let's see what the Bible says. So again, an overview of Luke 24... 36 to 39 says this as the disciples were talking Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them peace to you but they were startled and frightened they thought they saw a spirit Jesus said to them why are you so troubled why do doubts arise in your heart See my hands, my feet, it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And then again, drawing some pieces out of the famous passage in Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am with you always. The disciples had walked with Jesus for about three and a half years. They'd seen him die. And then they spent time with him 40 days, 50 days. I'm not quite sure. But Luke 24, 45 says this. Then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I've heard many sermons over the years from Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. Sure, we many of us have. But looking through the lens of doubt, I've seen something which hugely encourages me and I believe it's a word for us as a church today. The risen, glorified Jesus spends all of these days with his disciples. They see his wounds, he unpacks the scriptures, but they still doubt. So what was Jesus' response? Was he angry? Is he exasperated no hear me hear me hear me Jesus response to doubt was go commissioning be filled with the Holy Spirit he commissions them he sends them he gives them authority soon afterwards God pours out his Holy Spirit on these very worshippers doubters dear friend you may have legitimate doubts questions and historical issues in your life like I do Jesus understands and in his own good time he'll work those through with you but if you doubt then God sends you and commissions you if you have doubt God still sends you in the power of his Holy Spirit Having doubts does not exclude you from serving and loving God. Even as I was looking through this again this morning, thinking about working with the children, the church of today, not the church of tomorrow, the children and the young people, if you doubt that you could do and help the children, then that is a golden opportunity to see Keeley and put your name down. I just encourage you to get into a comfortable position. I'll give you a shout and a tick, Jake. So, just just relax for a moment. Okay. Some have come today simply to worship Jesus. (laughs) Receive his commission. His commission afresh. Go. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some have come today doubting Jesus. Receive his commission afresh. Go <laughs> and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Today, some doubt God's love and his acceptance. Receive his commission afresh. Go, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Some have come feeling broken, overwhelmed with anxiety, with no hope for the future. And I know what that's like. <clears throat> Go, receive God's commission, be filled with the Holy Spirit.